Welcome back to the Sandy Han Podcast. This is episode 40. Can't believe that, but that's going, still going, going strong. I had a lot more planned, uh, a lot more people that I've reached out to, different groups of people that are uh, want to come on, so that's exciting. So I'm trying to get them scheduled over the next uh, weeks and months. That's really exciting. And uh, a couple other things uh, before we started. Um, the, uh, the golf outing I'd mentioned to raise money for my foundation, getting a lot more people involved with that, so that's been pretty cool. Still trying to figure out the, get the dates and the places locked down for that, but we'll hopefully get that soon. And then there's a, another event or two that uh, is going to be planned by some other friends who outside of the golf just uh, basically become a party and it, it will be quite a party for the people who are putting it together so looking forward to that and again hopefully raising some money and then uh, last week I was I meant to do a podcast uh, with my wife and we could never get around to it because my sleep schedule is so bad right now. Uh, last week, I didn't sleep much at all. And then I went through the last weekend where I didn't sleep at all, at all. Like two days straight, I was awake and I was delirious. And Sunday night, I took some extra pills and it didn't work out so good. Slept at 2.30. And then I've uh, just been trying to go back and forth and check different doses to get me through to next week. For next uh, Wednesday, I finally get to talk to uh, a sleep doctor. Hopefully, he can give me some sort of medication to help me sleep more because I've been actually feeling pretty good. And uh, outside of the sleep, but then uh, sleep sort of messes with everything. But, Hopefully I'll get there soon. So now we're going to get started with my big brother, Steve. Um, he's uh, <laughs> been a great big brother for a lot of years. And I've uh, put together some stories that I know he's going to enjoy. And he will be able to add a lot to. put my reading glasses on. Oh, all right. So, welcome, Steve. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. This is gonna be fun because I was laughing putting together some of these um, stories, and then last night I put together a, a playlist too for Tyler to play when this comes out. Should come out tomorrow. And a pretty cool playlist of uh, old songs that uh, you got me hooked on. So, we'll just start. I mean, there's so many stories. I'm sure this could veer off into, into others, but we'll start. When I was young, and what I can remember, and uh, the first one that came up was uh, 
jumping off the uh, back patio. Uh, at a little house in Linford, 610 Linford, when there was so much snow that we'd climb out the window onto the porch and they would jump into the drifts. Of course, uh, they would jump into the drifts. And then something else happened. So why don't you elaborate on what, how you scarred me. Scarred you. One of the many ways that we scarred you. Well, <laughs> The timing's impeccable because I literally just told this story uh, about four days ago when we were out skiing in Colorado. And uh, let me forewarn you, for anybody who plans on being in this show, if Sandy's going to have stories like this, then be prepared because there's going to be a lot of skeletons coming out of the closet and uh, <laughs> you may not want to have the guilt follow you around. But that said, uh, yeah, I, I was the first one to get home from high school early prior to wrestling practice and there was about a 15-foot snow drift on the side of the house so as my father always said in my infinite wisdom as the main instigator I was hucking backflips off the roof about chimney height. Tim came home thought it was pretty cool he thought he'd do the same thing by the time Sandy got home he's like hey let's do it Sandy's crawling out the window and I wink at Tim which means there's some shenanigans about ready yeah. to happen so well, while Sandy was crawling out the window and not looking, we shoveled snow over the top of the air conditioning unit and told him to jump right there. <laughs> so as he was jumping right there, he hit, bounce, falls off, and I'm like, oh, shit. You know, he's laying there in pain, and then if it's not worse, then I look over and see my little sister jumping off the patio roof where there's a half inch of snow on the brick patio where it was previously what fed into the drift, and she falls off and jumps and lands and tweaks her ankle so again <laughs> some of the uh, bad influences of uh, being the older brother but uh, there will be payback oh yeah well that was uh, that was quite a story and there's so many more so to segue into one of the next stories because you talked about wrestling and he would always come home from wrestling practice and he'd work on his, all the moves he learned on me and I had taken some wrestling classes when I was young, but then I was, I got out of it. But then I learned how to wrestle by getting my ass beat by Steve. And well, I wonder not, he'd just come in and grab me, start wrapping me up like a pretzel. And then they decided, uh, once he had me in this position where I couldn't do anything, then uh, my brother Tim would come in and torture me more. And we they called this thing uh, cup of fart. So, well, how about you <laughs> expand? Expand, explain on it. <laughs> well, be forewarned, this is uh, PG thirteen. It's rather gross, but seemed like the right thing to do at the time. So again, <laughs> Sandy's point. I come home from wrestling, or come home from high school, haven't eaten a week, trying to make weight in a foul mood, so I just decided to have some fun at Sandy's expense and would wink at my brother Tim, which basically means it's go time. So I would tackle Sandy, put him in a cradle, and for those of you who don't know what a cradle is, once you're in it, you're not getting out. And then to make it even tighter, I'd put my knee in the side of his ribcage and bend him in half like a crescent and then wink at Tim, who would then go over and get one of the proverbial red solo cups and pass gas in it and put his hand over it. And then 
Sandy knew it was coming, so he'd just sit there and stop breathing, but Tim would hold the cup over his nose and mouth while I was holding him and he couldn't move, and Tim would punch him in the stomach until he had to breathe. Mm-hmm. So yeah. for all of those of you who wonder why Sandy is the way he is, that's one of the main reasons. That's one of them. That's a doozy. That, that, this happened a lot. And I know I've told this story to people. And they're like, what the hell is wrong with you? Me? I don't know who got attacked. He did not volunteer for it. No. So the old cup of art was uh, <clears throat> very interesting. And then uh, speaking of the back porch, too, another good uh, story. And this one lasted for a lot of years. But uh, I'll just tell you, I'll get it started and uh, let Steve <laughs> take it from there. It involves a BB gun that we used to have. Uh, we'd shoot it off the back porch window at the cans and targets. And I decided one day, because the porch went out so far, where the next door neighbors were actually pretty cool, but the guy next to them... He was an attorney. He was a douchebag. So I decided to start shooting the BB gun at his house. This is back in the 70s. Late 70s. But, you know, loom loom siding. So a BB gun could do some damage. And I just peppered this thing. And then... uh, And then one night... I don't really recall, you would know this better, that the guy came down to uh, confront us, or should I say at that time, Steve. Well, <laughs> as I said, this is where paybacks were handed out in, in full. Uh, the funny thing, to Sandy's point, is this did take place probably over the course of 25 years. So Sandy, thinking he was going to pay me back, shot up the neighbor's house with a BB gun. For any of you who know us, we were all avid hunters, and my dad's a big safety guy, and that was just a big no-no to be that irresponsible. But anyway, this just shows you how far back it goes, because I was back when the whole family sat down for dinner. My mom was cooking chicken, and you hear this at the front door. So I'm the closest to the table. I get up and I answer the door, and some lunatics are like pointing at me, you, you. So about 30 seconds this, I slammed the door, sat down at the t- dinner table and this happened like three or four more times my dad finally goes what the f is going on i'll take care of this so sandy's sitting and knows completely what's happening i don't know what's going on and the next thing i know i get yanked out of my chair and whipped around and said this gentleman said you shot his house out with a bb gun and did all this damage i said well if i would have done that the house wouldn't be standing because that's how shitty of a shot sandy is but be that as it may, <laughs> I was forbidden to hunt for the remainder of that year, grounded to infinity, and I kept swearing that I didn't do this. And for those of you who get in trouble with the law and they keep telling you to do something that you didn't do, time and time again, after a while you start to think, maybe I did do this, but I'm like, another story for another day. Fast forward when we're all married, 20-some years later, we're sitting at our house at Peak and Peak. Everybody's had a couple adult beverages. Sandy's sitting on a pool float with a beer between his legs. And one of the sister-in-laws tells this story. And I stand up and I go, I didn't do it. And my mom's there, my wife's there, Kelly, Sandy's wife, Mary Beth, Tim, Sharon, 
his his wife, and all of a sudden Sandy just raises his hand. He goes, "That'd be me. I did it." <laughs> and I start. I like. He's a dead man. I start going. It took Mary Beth, my mom, my wife, and Sharon to tackle me and not let me up to kill Sandy. And for the next couple of days, I was like, "Why would you do that?" He goes, well, I saw you getting your ass kicked, and I didn't want any part of that. <laughs> so, paybacks were eventually doled out for the couple of fart. Oh, that was the doozy. So, again, with these segues, because you talked about hunting, and hunting and fishing were huge in our family. My dad, both my brothers, and I got into it not as much as they did but I had learned a lot from them both hunting and fishing and uh, a couple funny stories from the first time that I went hunting we were pheasant and quail hunting out of Beaver Creek and I didn't know what the hell I was doing so Steve's kind of nearby me to keep an eye on me because my dad didn't want to have to deal with me he's out hunting and we're in the same we're all in the same line but I'm far away and so you'll probably recall this better than I do it was the first time I had a shotgun and I didn't know how to hunt quail or pheasant so I, I saw one it was on the ground <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know what to do. Uh, it's, luckily, Steve was nearby. So, what are your rem remembrances of this? Well, actually, it wasn't just one. It was a whole covey of quail because they stick together. There's like six or eight of them all running around in circle. And Sandy's like running around with his gun like this. And I'm like, just kick them. They'll get up. Which <laughs> he eventually did. And he's, I'm like, Grace, you shoot them on the ground. There's not going to be anything left. Yeah. It was very humorous. Uh, Not to dad. No. <laughs> oh, did, did you did you tell him eventually? Or? I think he saw it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was uh, quite an ordeal. So I learned a lot, and then so that was with the quail. Then we. I think I actually was able to shoot a pheasant. I got one. And so. We went over to get it, or the dog retrieves it, brings it back over, and this pheasant is not dead, and but he's seriously injured, and then uh, I'm like, well, what do I do? And of course, Steve uh, showed me what to do, which is... Uh, which is what? Spin it, grab it by its neck, spin it around, break its neck. Except Tardo here decided to grab it and kept playing like it was a toy and kept spinning it around, spinning it around, spinning it <laughs> around till the body flew off about 20 yards and he's holding the head and then proceeds to look at it <laughs> and throw up. Yeah. I did that. It happened. Oh, that reminds me of another hunting story. I didn't have written down, which I threw up. Uh, so I used to go along with them go deer hunting. I never actually shot a deer because I was too young. I didn't. All I got was I got a 22 rifle, which was not going to kill a deer. So I'd go out 
you know, my dad began to throw me with Steve to send it to worry about me. And I was just running around shooting things with my 22 rifle, having fun. And then I was with Steve while he was, you know, being quiet because he sees the deer. And he shoots the deer. And the deer didn't go down right away. Ran for a little bit because that's pretty normal. And then we, so we were trekking to try and find it. And we ultimately did find it. And that's when you, I don't know, what do you call it? You cinch it up and you... you clean it. Clean it. I mean, they actually... Field dress it. Okay, so what that means, he takes a knife from, you know, ass to chest and slices this deer open. And all the... Takes all the guts, and I just lost. Like, it's horrible. That's what I guess they do. You have to, or else it'll rot. But the other one, when that's where Brother Tim comes in, after that's done, you find the old intestines that have all the jelly beans, and we grabbed them and shot it at them and <laughs> threw up again. <laughs> I was abused. <laughs> I, that's why. But you kept coming back for more. Explains a lot. I am the way up, but there's uh, what else about the, oh, the fishing? Just to continue on that, a couple of good stories. I mean, not too long ago, Steve wanted to go out to what's it called the fishing? Oh, the trout club, trout club, Rockall Springs. He'd go out on a Saturday or Sunday and just go fly fishing. And I started bringing Xander out, and it was, it's very relaxing, but it's also it's a lot more fun when you can actually catch fish. And so he's teaching Xander to do it, Next, you know, Xander's getting hangry, he's catching fish. Meanwhile, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And I'm not really catching much. One thing I caught was I hooked it in the, in the gut by accident. So I finally broke down, went to Steve, said, okay, what, what am I doing wrong? And uh, he taught me how to do it, which, uh, will you explain how it was, and I'll tell you what I think, think it was. think I learned. The strip set. When you see the fish bite, pull it, lift the rod up. If you wait, just like my wife, or to hook itself, you're never going to catch one fly fishing. So, gave him the subtle art of the strip set, and game on. Yeah, and then also, it's really kind of like feel. I think that you know, I see you see it coming up because the water's so clear. And again, you can't wait till if you wait till it bites, and then you pull. It's too late. You gotta have that feel of when you see it coming up and you sort of get ready to pull up at the same time he's biting, you're pulling up and hooking it and it, it worked. And I started catching a lot of fish. It's a lot more fun when you catch fish. But uh, then the other, oh, the other fishing story was 
Steve and my dad used to go sport fishing down in Florida, which was, you know, I they'd get a, the ass crack of dawn to go down to this guide and take them out all day fishing. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do that. But I did do it one time, and then I realized why they love it so much. It was awesome. We went out, and we were catching, you know, it's live bait. What do they use for that? Greenbacks. Uh, live fish, and you put them on there, and you know, toss it out. It's a pretty sturdy pole. Like, I can, like, see he knows where the fish are so he's like throw it over here you throw it over there and, and you sort of feel the again you're feeling the line as soon as you you feel a tug you know you yank it set it and start I mean, and these are big i mean what kind of fish snook redfish um but as sandy was saying fishing. the guide saying throw it over here and he inadvertently throws it the completely wrong way and we're both on the bow and all of a sudden I see a tarpon come out of nowhere and grab his line and just take off and I'm like at that point I'd never caught a tarpon <laughs> never even seen one and he's so lucky and bad at the same time he ends up catching this tarpon and it's running and he's just holding his rod and he doesn't even realize it and the fish jumps out of the air about three four feet and he goes, hey, look at that. I said, you better hold on to your rod because that's on your rod. And then a half hour later, he's all exhausted and the fish broke off. He didn't get it. But yet he was trying to hold a cigarette to, him, to his mouth because he's so wiped out. He was shaking. And he's just... Yeah, I couldn't even fish him after that. And that was, uh, I think, the same trip I was, uh, was going to bring that up. And it was hysterical. But I did catch a bunch of fish prior to that. And then when I hit the tarpon, even the guy's like, boy, you must have a horseshoe up your ass. I don't know how you're <laughs> catching this stuff, fishing the way you're fishing. And then you hook a tarpon, and it, it was hysterical. So we, and again, I'm Steve and my dad are like, oh, real, real, real. And then all of a sudden, gotta let it run, because the fish, this is a big ass fish. I'm a 60 pound tarpon. I don't know what the test line that we had, but I remember the 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 guide said, well, if you boat that thing, you're going to get your picture in paper. And of course, there was no way I was going to boat this thing. It was just running. Finally, he'd think he, he just ran over the line and cut it. I'm like, I'm done. And literally, my hands were so tired. He tapped out. Yeah, it was it was too much, but it was a uh, it was a fun trip. And then the guy actually, my dad would give him half the fish, and he sort of cut them all up, put them in bags for us to take home. And then I remember him the one time he he mentioned uh, how he likes to cook them. He's like, I take these. You know, this fillet, I broil it, I put some little uh, olive oil, some garlic, and I put some 
mozzarella cheese and some uh, capers on top of it and I broil it. And the living is just saying that I'm like, oh my God, this sounds wonderful. So we caught fish during the day, cut them up and we were eating them for dinner. I mean, talk about fresh fish and I think dad cooked a few of them that, w that way. I didn't cook them. Oh, you did. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. You cooked them and it was delicious. So, um, let's move on. Hopefully this. All right. Now we're going to talk about skiing. And, uh, first time I went skiing, I think it was in sixth grade. And they brought me to Boston Mills. And I had lessons scheduled for the day because I was a banner. But Steve and Tim decided they're going to try and show me how to do it on their own. So we went up this little lift, kind of a banner hill called Summit, on the left side of Boston Mills. And I could barely get on the lift, barely get off. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And they tried to go down the hill, and they're yelling at me, screaming, do this, do this. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. But I almost went off this little edge. Uh, <laughs> scared me. I'm like, all right, I'm just going down. I'm done. I think I walked down the rest of the hill and just waited in the inside the chalet to, for my lesson to start. Do you remember that? No, one? actually, I don't remember that. You don't remember no. that? Oh, that's another thing that scared me. They, you thought you could teach me better. Uh, but, yeah, that that was not good. So uh, then I waited and made it out for my lesson. And I had one lesson. And it, I got the hang of it, <clears throat> at least being able to <laughs> control my speed and make some turns. And after that, I was done. I didn't even go back for the second uh, lesson because I wanted to go ski with you guys. So I went over to the bigger hills. And of course, I learned my lesson there too. Uh, so I wiped out several times, but I kept doing it, kept going. I got better. Not great, but it was okay. better. And then. I uh, went to, started going to New York, Holly Valley, Holly Mutt, with uh, Jim Doyle's family and Matt Newhouse's family. And they were really good skiers. And after a while, they were like, hey, you know, we're not really good at teaching, so either you know, keep up with us or you know, we're going to leave you behind. And, I think that was their way of saying that, yeah, if you don't keep up, we're not going to invite you anymore either. So I watched them, and I learned, and I started getting really good. And then came back skiing times with uh, Steve, and I thought, well, I say I thought I was getting a lot better, and I was, but I, I was thinking that, all right, I'm better than you now, Steve. That probably didn't happen, but <laughs> so we went skiing a few times, and I think he was impressed that I was I had gotten so much better. And then, uh, but we had so many 
trips. Uh, we ended up, Dad got a place at Peak and Peak in Flint Lake, and we would go up every weekend, ski and ski and ski and ski. And uh, that was fun. That, actually, it was more in high school. But then in, so in middle school, I thought it was getting better. We went out to Brandywine. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I thought, all right, I'm going to show him. So we got the lift, and I'm trying to ski down in front of him. He's behind me, like, egging me on. And the first thing I do, I see a jump. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do back scratch or do something cool. And I went off this jump, and I totally lost my bearings. I landed. The left ski binding came off. The right ski binding did not. And the boot compressed against my right tibia and broke it. So I'm laying there in, on the first run of the year with a broken leg. And it was my own fault, but of course, uh, Steve was right behind me. I don't know if you actually saw the... Well, if you're, I told this story last week when we were out skiing as well. It, and, and we were fighting for the same mogul, and I kept telling Sandy, don't screw up, I'm gonna, I'll land on you. And then I saw him go off and have a total wipeout in midair and skied right next to him because I knew it was going to be a bad one, and I heard his leg shatter. I turned to my brother Tim. I said, you stay with him. I'll go get the ski patrol. We'll get the meat wagon to, to get him in here. And as he's laying there screaming like a sissy, this very buxom <laughs> ski patrol woman back in the 70s, high bibs, up to here, is big laying old, over. Big Sandy's old, Big old titties. Sandy's screaming in agony, and I go, dude, open your eyes. Open your eyes, because they're like, she was almost motorboating. Yeah, giant Freddy's right in my face. And <laughs> so this all lasted uh, 15 minutes, and we were there and gone. So I just said, hey, while you're loading them up, I'm going to go again in a beer and get a hot dog, and just let me know when he's ready, and I'll drive him to the hospital. Yeah, that was the first run. And it, 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 when I was screaming agony, he did say, look up. And I did kind of look up and giggle a bit because of the, the big old boobs that were in my face. But, so then, yeah, that year, I forget what year it was, but I was in a cast the whole time. Thought the winter couldn't ski. And then I finally get the cast off like in March. And there's still like maybe a, one of the last weekends to ski. And so I'm like, you know, can I ski again? He goes, well, you can, but you got to take it easy. So, of course, uh, again, I've never been good at taking it easy. Went to Holly Valley with the new house. And I'm skiing down the main run, Mardi Gras, just taking it easy. And all of a sudden, I see my buddies go down the, the chute, which is a black diamond, big moguls. I'm like, oh, screw it. I'm going down there, ripping through the bumps, and I get to the bottom and make a bad turn and pop. Uh, I broke it again. Two runs, two broken legs. Book end of the season. Yeah, it was just it was crazy. So that was uh, interesting. We had a, oh, there's best ski trip was Aspen. 
We it was my. I think it was my freshman year in college. 85. And my dad booked a trip to Aspen for all of us. We went out and saved this nice condo right in the basement of Aspen or Ajax. Correct. I think it was. And we basically would ski. I think the, the Newhoffs were out there too. Correct. All of the Newhoffs. Out there at the same time, so we were skiing with them. We were in a riot. Ski all day. And then basically go right up in that skiing, go in the hot tub, and bring a 12 pack of beer, sit in the hot tub for an hour, and then you'd have to go take a shower and wake up. And then we'd go out every night and get in trouble. And uh, it was such a fun time. There was uh, a couple interesting things that happened uh, and one night I don't know where we were but I think I may have tried to dance with it on Brooke Shields the infamous Brooke Shields story uh-huh. we were in an old cowboy bar in Aspen and Sandy and Tim and I got in Sandy was underage but we got him in and Brooke Shields walked by and Sandy looks at us with this big shit-eating grin on his face and he takes off. And Tim and I are like, where the hell are you going? He goes, I'm on a mission from God. I'm going to go make Brooke. <laughs> and we're laughing. We're like, okay. About five minutes later, he comes back and we're like, how'd it go? And he goes, what a bitch. <laughs> yeah, she didn't like my shenanigans, which uh, I don't recall what I did, but it was sure deeply offensive to her but I had fun and then so there were lots of other stories in that trip but I think we'll keep a few of those uh, under wraps I I think that'd be wise (laughs) I don't know what the stay of execution is on that police may come try and track us down but uh so we'll move on and talk about the uh, Kent State visit when me and my brother Tim went to visit Steve at Kent State, and it was there was so much shit that went down that weekend. But the, the best story was when what was the name of the bar? Rays. Rays. It's still there. A, well, it just had its 80th birthday yeah. last week. Went to Rays. And they used to have this baseball game. I remember we always used to play. It was fun. And they had these drinks called the Father Muckers. All right? Yep. And you're supposed to have one. Of course, me and Tim figure out a way to have more than one. And let's just say we were overserved. And to the point where Steve had to get involved. Well, actually, it was non-voluntarily involved. I was ordering another pitcher of beer, and I hear all this commotion behind me at the bar, and the whole bar is cheering these people on, and I'm like, and I'm just paying for the beer, and I look at the bartender, I'm like, hey, thanks, John, and John says, hold on a minute, Steve. He goes, you two idiots, sit down. And I turn around, and it's, 
frickin' frack, Sandy and Tim, <laughs> literally chugging beer and spitting it like it's a volleyball game back and forth to one another. And the whole bar's egging them on. Standing and John, on top of the table. And John's like, do you know those guys? And I'm like, not at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> so that's why Sandy goes, after we got up the next morning, all hung over, and Tim's driving him home. He goes, God, I can't wait to go to college. Yeah, it was, uh, well, eventually we got, I don't know if we got kicked out, or he may have just said, just escorted out. Get out of here before, before you get Moved physically, and we went out sat outside of Ray's, and there was a, a gyro cart right there, and we just sat there, chowing down gyros for the rest of the night. And of course, the whole ride home the next day, you could s- smell that sauce in your in your hands. Tzatziki sauce. And we had gotten everywhere. So that was. You smelled like a drunk, passed out sorority girl. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty bad, but that was quite a visit. So, um, <laughs> so speaking of college, just all kinds of stuff that I've already shared in, in college that I did, which is stupid. But one was uh, wasn't at the college I was at. It was at Baldwin Wallace. Oh God! And I can tell you that. And basically, I got banned from being on that campus for all the shenanigans I pulled. And so we're there, me and Mark Creighton, Adam Walker. We're there to see Tim Lumpson. And we're just getting all kinds of trouble. Well, I shouldn't say it was me. Mark never did anything bad. And he would just always look on. He was our bodyguard and nod his head. Like, what are you idiots doing? So we had uh, proceeded to, I don't know if it's the same night, but maybe the same weekend where I had stayed up sitting in Tim Lumpson's room and I thought it'd be funny. I uh, had got my hands on a fire extinguisher and decided that that would be uh, fun to set that thing off in the bathroom and Tim Storm and it was a lot more than I expected and I had uh, just blew it out uh, it was like a, a white out of this powder all throughout the bathroom and, and I got a little nervous started going back to Tim's dorm room and there were footprints from the white stuff going right back to his room and the home monitor came in and said, uh, yeah, we got a problem here. And he was yelling, look, I, I got the footprints. I know it was you guys, someone in there. So I had to take the fall for that. And then the, uh, well, the, the bigger night when I got in trouble was uh, we went out and we were out in front of the dorm room. The dorm and there was a, a new sign, a wooden sign that uh, I didn't like it. <laughs> it looked up to me a bad luck, so I just decided to uh, hurt it. So I just started pushing it, and actually I'm, I'm jumping and kicking it. And, and then a few other, other guys first were like, what the hell's wrong with him? And they started jumping in. And 
Mark, he didn't do any of that. Uh, Mark was sitting with some other guy, looking at us, just shaking his head. I don't know what the hell is wrong with these guys. We kept doing that, and we were being loud and like cheering on. And then somebody called the cops, and we all scattered. And I ran into a residential neighborhood, jumped a fence, slammed into a tree, not, almost knocked myself out, got back up and kept running midway out to the outskirts of Berea. There's a nursing home where I was kind of hiding in the bushes next to a UDF, you know, dairy farmers and a payphone. So then I snuck out uh, from the bushes, ran with a payphone, called Steve, and again, uh, and then ran back, hoping he'd come get me in the head. And then, so that's where you, what time was it? Three o'clock. A.M. Three in the morning. Already gainfully employed with my first job, and I get woke up in the middle of the night to go retrieve my little brother, which after a while I started contemplating, do I leave him there? I can't do that. So I, I go and get him, and he, he goes, very specific instructions. Pull up to the payphone in a UDF park, and I'll be hiding in the bushes. I go, what the hell did you do? He goes, just get here as quick as you can. So I pull in, he jumps in the car, he's like, get the hell out of here, get the hell out of here. I go, how long have you been in there? He goes, as long as it's been for you to get from Bay Village to Berea, about 40 minutes, and pick his troublesome backside up. That said, it's funny, I keep this story with me throughout the rest of my life because I ultimately get married. Kelly and I can't try to conceive kids, we can't have kids, and it's probably one of the blessings that I look back on this story, and it's probably a reason why, good reason why I didn't have kids. But, uh, you know, that said, I had to go uh, pick the little knucklehead up again. So it made me think of one other story. Um, back in high school, I don't know what grade it was, but I was an idiot as me and my buddies and we decided to wear togas, have our own little toga party, and drinking beer, and then we're driving around Bay Village. In the quadrivan. Yeah, in this big old pimped out van. And we ended up going to Huntington uh, Beach Park, and I'm moonwalking around in a toga and trying to make people laugh, which they did. And then we just kept going to different spots and trying to make more trouble. And eventually I, I thought, yeah, we're good. And uh, and actually at the end of the night, it was like two in the morning, I, I had called my mom. I was like, oh yeah, we're, we're fine. She said, where the hell are you? Get your ass home now. I'm like, oh shit. And so I didn't know that there was actually somebody out looking for me the most of the night. <laughs> be seen. Yeah, as luck would have it, everywhere I showed up, they're like, oh, you just missed them. Just missed them. Just missed them. Yeah, it was your senior year of high school. You guys are just blowing it out. And I showed up anywhere between two minutes and five minutes late at each stop <laughs> and got progressively worse and more angry. <laughs> 
and I finally get home just as Sandy's falling in the front door. And my mom's the one who sent me out on the mission, and I'm like, he's dead. I'm going to kick his ass. She goes, you can't touch him. He's fine. I go, he can't even walk. <laughs> so she lets him go to bed and thanks me for my efforts. And Yeah. Another, day late and dollar short. Another doozy. So he's always been there to help. Uh, which is nice, even though he was quite angry a lot of the times. And uh, this brings me to golf, which uh, we've always gotten close over golf a lot of years. And he's actually gotten pretty good. And where my game has declined, well, and I can't, can't even play anymore. But... Uh, even when the last few years when I still could try and play, it was really nice because he would help me. He'd come, I could still drive, you know, I'm not driving anymore right now. I'd pull up, he'd come get the golf clubs because it was difficult for me. Basically, I, I could get myself with the cane down to the car, but he'd get the clubs put in there, have, you know, everything set up, we'd go play. And when we played, he would drive me around, you know, from my balls up at the hill. He'd take it up a flat area so I, so I could keep my balance, but still was difficult. And every hole where the ball went, he'd, you know, drive me up as close as he could to, to get it, even though there were some spots where you're not supposed to be. But a lot of courses, they allow... Um, Handicap flags yeah, on the car. A cart. flag which lets you go where you want because there's no way I'm going to walk down this hill and around this thing and over to get the ball. So he would take me all around. Much the, to the chagrin of the ranger. Yeah, what? It's sweetbriar. Yeah, they didn't like that. What was the guy? One time he. No names. No. <laughs> No, I didn't even remember the name, but he was bitchy, and I think you'd mentioned that, yeah, well, uh, he's handicapped. And you're like, I'm sorry if you, hope you don't mind me telling me you're handicapped. I, I am, so <laughs> call it what it is. But that was always uh, a lot of fun, and actually it was even last March, April, I was actually still playing golf. And then things have certainly taken a decline from there. But he's just, uh, he's always been there for me. Um, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. And even since I got sick, he's always there, you know, calling, checking on me, making sure I'm okay. Brought me food a lot, uh, which is nice. And just countless, just run errands for me. Took it, gone to get prescription drugs that I needed. I mean, really, it's just, it's amazing what he's, how he's been there for me. And uh, I just I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. And I love you. Love you too. Um, so, this was... Uh, this is fun. Again, I'm going to have some cool music playing for this uh, a playlist that I created. Uh, so it will come out uh, tomorrow. 
probably at noon. And uh, thanks everyone for, for watching and listening. Gonna, again, got a lot more of these planned. Um, I'm feeling better. Even though my sleep is off, I'm going to get that worked out as well. And then I'm going to be uh, doing really good. So uh, thanks, everyone. Uh, I will talk to you soon. Thanks, Steve. Love you, buddy. Love you, too. Take care, everyone. Bye.